Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> we talk about lawsuits this morning. You aren't glad. You know, some people say the Bible isn't relevant. But the Bible addresses every issue we face in life. If we're willing to look for it. And <clears throat> this is an issue that's prevalent in our world today. It's lawsuits. First Corinthians 6, verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 11. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. So the title of the message this morning, Christian Conduct Concerning Lawsuits. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. And thank you, Father, that we do have in the word of God everything that pertains unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Father, help us to understand these truths today and have uh, wisdom and discernment, Father, in, judge, in making wise decisions and judgments concerning things in this life that we will please you in all things and glorify our Savior. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in a society that is quick or sometimes, it seems, looks for opportunities to sue at a court of law. Uh, and much of it is driven by covetousness. For example... This I got offline is... The guy writes to this to these lawyers online. They 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 an online service to answer your questions about lawsuits. And he said this quote: "I entered into McDonald's and got into a yelling argument with an employee. He then proceeded to cross the counter, punch me in the face. Yes, more than one time. I tried to defend myself, fought back. I filed a police report against the employee, and from what I have heard, he had assault charges on his record and was still hired as an employee at McDonald's." Can I sue McDonald's and make millions as well as sue the employee? So what's the driving force here? It's covetousness. 
It's covetousness. You know, years ago I heard about the lady, I guess, and I did look it up. It was, she was 70-some years old. I think she's 70-some years old. And she got a hot coffee at McDonald's, and she spilled it on her and had third-degree burns, supposedly. She sued for $2.3 million, which was awarded her by a judge, but the trial judge lowered it, and the only, she only got only $640,000. So, you know, when, when all these places now have hot wrote on it, because it wasn't identified as hot, do you ever get cold coffee? I guess some people do. But, you know, we, we live in a society that is, is so crazy. There, are, there is one attorney for every 254 Americans. Fifteen million lawsuits we filed in 2011 across the U.S. There's a news lawsuit every two seconds and one lawsuit for every 12 adults. Uh, 21 U.S. states are facing a medical liability crisis. And uh, the cost to U.S. tort system, personal injury, in 2009 is $248 billion, or $808 per person. This is because of lawsuits. And, and, and let's show you how ridiculous people are with lawsuits, okay? There's this, this article titled, New Elephant Rights Lawsuit Demands Liberty Sanctuary for Elephant Confined Alone at Bronx Zoo. That's the title of the article. And it goes like this. It's October 2nd, 2018, New York, New York. The Non-Human Rights Project announced today it is filing a petition in New York Supreme Court, Orleans County, for a common law writ of habeas corpus in order to show cause on behalf of Happy, a 47-year-old Asian elephant held alone in captivity at the Bronx Zoo and the first elephant in the world to demonstrate self-awareness via the mirror self-recognition test. With support from world-renowned elephant experts, the NHRP, non-human rights project, is demanding recognition of Happy's legal personhood and fundamental right to bodily liberty as well as her transfer, transfer to an elephant sanctuary. For the last 12 years, the zoo has housed Happy in a rotating portion of 1.15 acre exhibit separated from elephants Patty and Maxine, who in 2002 fatally injured Happy's longtime elephant companion, Grumpy. And it goes on. And by the way, they're getting what, I mean, they've already got through some chimpanzee was supposedly, they, they took that to court too. Uh, the, another article says an average employee lawsuit costs $250,000. This is September 2012. Uh, employment claims and lawsuits are among the most costly and time-consuming losses facing corporations. In fact, there were 99,922 EEOC, that's that's Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, charges filed in Florida during 2010. Barack Obama was a big pusher of that organization, and they are no good. Anyway, uh, according to the Enterprise Florida, this is in Florida alone, so during the past five years, six out of ten employers have faced an employee lawsuit. The EEOC secures about $404 million from employers each year. 
uh, the cost to your company, the average court cost is about $40,000. You know, my brother-in-law has a, has a uh, farming um, supply type business, and he also he, uh, sprays crops and things like that. And he had an employee, a lady, a secretary that worked in the office there, uh, and, um, and so she became pregnant. Well, they sell chemicals to spray crops. The doctor told her that she couldn't work in that environment. And my brother-in-law said to her, well, I guess you're going to have to find another job. I don't have anything else for you to do. She sued. And the insurance company, rather than fight it, settled out of court. My brother-in-law was irate. Discrimination. It wasn't his fault she got pregnant. That's where we are today. And, of course, we have extremes. You know, we have this extreme that, you know, you know people just sue or anything. And then we have the other extreme that some Christians think, you ought never sue. That's not what the Bible teaches. That is not what the Bible teaches. And so let's look at this a little bit this morning here in the time we have. First of all, the reality of disputes. As we think about Disputes or lawsuits, concerning lawsuits or uh, having matters against any, there, there is this reality of disputes, and we're talking here in the church. There is reality of disputes. Verse 1 says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? So he's not saying there wasn't a problem. That there, were, there is problems that arise in the church. They did have a matter, and, but he's... Uh, against one another. See, saved people still have an old sinful nature with which to contend. There's going to be matters that arise. Disputes that are going to have to be settled. You know, Paul said in Romans 7, verses 18 through 20, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would... I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that what I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. We know that in Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas, who were co-laborers together on mission work, had a disagreement. And that disagreement was so sharp that they separated one from the other. And that was over John Mark, Barnabas's nephew. In Galatians chapter 2, there was a disagreement between Peter and Paul. And Peter and Paul, the Bible says in Galatians 2.11, when Peter come to Antioch, I withstood him, that is Paul, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. So there was a dispute that arose between Peter and Paul over Peter falling away to the Jews and catering to the Jews that said you had to be circumcised and so on. And it really was following following false doctrine. And so Peter, Paul, confronted him to his face. In 2 Thessalonians 3.11, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Then in 3 John, John the Apostle writes to the church there and says, in verses 9 and 10, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth not. 
Wherefore, if I will come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. You know, there's, I know you, Diotrephes, but if I come, I will deal with him. And then, remember, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi and said, I beseech Eudeus and Sintity that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You see, there will be disputes in the church. As there were disputes in this church. There will be, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And if we fail to recognize the conflict between the old nature and the new nature, it merely adds to the problem, which was part of the problem here at Corinth. Now, again, churches are made up of human beings with weaknesses, faults, different temperaments, different dispositions. And conflicts will arise. But we're not to go to law to settle them. And that's what Paul is addressing here. Notice, secondly, that going to the law is reproach to the church. And we'll notice three things. Number one, it is an indictment against the saints that they resort to heathen courts to settle their disputes. Notice verses 1 and 2. There any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And so Paul is saying, look, it discredits the Christian testimony to go to the world to settle your disputes, to go to the unjust. You know, the, the church considers, the, the, I'm sorry, the world considers a church a place where people learn or to learn how to govern themselves and have compassion one for another. You know, Jesus told us, and told his disciples before he left them, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one for another. And so to go to the law before the heathen demonstrates a failure of the church to solve its own problems. And thereby it admits it is incompetent to solve the problems of the world. You know, if we can't solve our own problems, how can we help the world? What do we have to offer? It, demonstrate, it also demonstrates a lack of wisdom and discernment in the church. Notice verses 4 and 5. If then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge, notice this, who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so? There is not a wise man among you? No, not one that should be able to judge between his brethren? So, if going to the law or going to the heathen court, to the unsaved, to the world, to settle our disputes, is, shows a lack of spiritual discernment and a lack of the wisdom of God, it shows really their lack of spirituality and ability to judge righteous judgment. You know, they, these, this was a church that prided themselves in their wisdom. We saw that in the first few chapters. 
They pride themselves in being worldly wise. And yet they couldn't settle their own disputes. They had to go to the heathen courts. They couldn't find a wise man, a man wise enough among them to settle their problems. Paul said, you know, use them that are least esteemed. The least, least esteemed means the most, the most least looked up to person. The least looked up to person. It's really evidence of spiritual defeat. Verse 7, he says, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to the law one another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? One commentator said this, quote, To have won a legal contest was to lose in a spiritual test. To go to court and ignore the province of the church was a mark of spiritual defectiveness. It meant they were defective in their character and dwarfed in their stature. It is dwarfed Christianity, unquote. It showed, you see, going the, the, the fact that they were going to the law, to the world, to answer their questions uh, about matters shows that they didn't, they didn't have spirituality and discernment. They couldn't judge righteous judgment. Thirdly, it discredits the word of God to govern his kingdom. Notice verses 2 and 3. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So again, Christians go before the world, courts, is demeaning to the gospel. To do so is in essence to say that the world's way of life is better than God's. That the world's standard is higher than God's. It is to say we have lofty doctrines, but we have neither the grace to get along nor the government to correct our way. We can't correct our own way. You know, Paul said, don't you know we're going to judge the world? You know, what he's trying to get them see is, look, we have in the word of God a higher standard by which we are to govern ourselves than the world does. And it is not the letter of the law, it is the spirit of the law by which we are to govern our lives. You know, the law says, thou shalt not kill. The spirit of the law says, don't be angry with your brother. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. The spirit of the law says, don't look on a woman to lust after her. The law says, love your neighbor. The spirit of the law says, love your enemy. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. You see, the word of God gives us a higher standard than what the world sets. We ought never go to the world for wisdom in matters that pertain to life. You know, a lot of Christians are going to the world for how to raise children. And most times it turns out it's a disaster.
you know, Dr. Spank instead of Dr. Dr. Spock instead of Dr. Spank. No, God's standard is higher. We, we are going to judge the world. We are, we, you know, the Bible tells us that we have the wisdom of God. And if we don't have enough wisdom to judge our own matters, it, is, it shows that we are not following the word of God. We are spiritually defective. If we can't answer life's problems, what good are we to the world? And so, again, Paul's not saying, don't ever use the law. Because Paul did. But we're not to take brother and brother to law. Then once you notice the third thing. Going to law or suing, let me clarify, your brother fellow church member demonstrates rebellion against the kingdom of God. Notice verses 8 through 11. Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Again, we're talking about brethren here. We're talking about in the church. We're not talking about somebody outside the church. You know, if you have a matter or a civil dispute between somebody outside the church, it is not wrong to go to the law. Or take them to court if necessary. There's nothing wrong with that. But to do it in the church, there is a, that is another issue. It should be settled in the church. And it demonstrates rebellion. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so what he's saying here is, for a brother to take a brother to court before the world courts is a denial of his Christian faith. It is to link oneself in with those who, will, who the Bible describes will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is, they are not saved. That's what verses 9 and 10 is talking about. This is, again, this is not teaching that one who has committed any of these sins can't be saved. It's teaching that Christians do not practice sin. Those that practice sin, if this is their continual lifestyle, they are not children of God. You know, 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 bears that out also. He that committeth, that's, the idea is there, that's his practice, that's his lifestyle. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. You know, a person that is saved has the Spirit of God in living in and dwelling in him. He cannot continue in sin. That's how he cannot, he cannot commit sin. Uh, he cannot sin, in other words, continue in sin, because he is born of God, because he has a life of God in him. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, suing your brother at a court of law is unbecoming of a child of God. It's not fitting. It's not fitting. 
You need to live, what he's telling him is, you need to live what you are. Look at Ephesians. He tells this to the church at Ephesus also. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 3. Ephesians 5, 1 to 3. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So these things are... And and, and then he goes on, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. And you know, he lists some things here. These things are not becoming or fitting of a child of God. And Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 6, suing your brother is not becoming or fitting or proper for a child of God. It is to link yourself up, up with those who do not inherit the kingdom of God, the unrighteous. It is contrary to the nature of Christianity to do anything to injure another or take advantage of another by legal methods. By doing so, again, we are following the practice of the world in which we live. Now again, this is not a prohibition against obeying the law or using the law legally. Paul used the law. In fact, he appealed to the law. When the Jews sought to kill him, what did he do? He appealed to the law for protection. And rightly so. When they wanted him taken back to Jerusalem, he tried there, again, unjustly, he appealed to Caesar. But who was he dealing with? Unsaved Jews. He wasn't dealing with his brethren. This is a prohibition against suing fellow Church members. In fact, Paul said it is better to be defrauded or to lose something than you tarnish your testimony before the world and discredit the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. You know, we live in a world Like I say, that it appears, again, it appears that sometimes they look for opportunities. But it ought not to be said of us that we look for those opportunities. Again, it is not wrong to use the law legally, but to use it as a means of covetousness or unjust gain is wicked and unbecoming of a child of God. A couple passages of Scripture we'll look at in conclusion as we conclude this morning. Philippians chapter 2. You know, these need to be, these ought to be the things, the philosophy in our guidelines in dealing with people and dealing with one another. Uh, Philippians 2, 
verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, it isn't surprising that the church of Corinth was having issues with things like this. Because they weren't like-minded. They were divided. This group followed Paul. This group followed Peter. This group over here followed Apollos. They weren't like-minded. There were wealthy and then poor. I'm sure there were slaves in the church as well, and that probably added to the, the problem. But they weren't of like mind in the Lord. There were strifes among them, glorying among them. They lacked lowliness of mind, and therefore did not esteem others better than themselves. You know, Paul's instructions, again, at the church of Philippi is, let, let, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things. of We're not just to consider ourselves. But we are to consider others. Go also to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Now, here we're not just talking about in the church, but we're talking about in the world in general. And this, this ought to be a guiding principle for us. We're to recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, it doesn't say you're going to be able to live peaceably with everyone. Because there are some people that you just can't live peaceably with. But as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. But dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. For it is written... But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, as much as, again, as much as possible, we live peaceably with all men, and we are not to avenge ourselves, seek vengeance. There, you know, there, I'm not saying there may, not, may be a time you have to go to court to defend yourself or for a just cause, but we are not to seek vengeance. A lot of lawsuits are seeking vengeance. I mean, $2.3 million for being burnt with coffee? Is that justice or is that vengeance? I mean, the guy that I read the article about who got went into McDonald's, got in an argument with an employee. You know, the last I remember, it takes two people to get in an argument. You 
got an, uh, an Arby employee. Then he wanted to sue McDonald's for millions of dollars is what he said. Obviously, he wasn't hurt severely. He wasn't left handicapped. So why did he need millions of dollars? See, the world, again, again, this is covetous-driven and vengeance-driven. Look at chapter 13, verse 10. Here's another principle. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is a fulfilling of the law. And so, you know, obeying the law is doing what is right, so we are to do what's right to whoever we meet. You know, there may come a time in your life, or it may have been a time in your life, where you had to go to a court of law. I've been in court. I've been sued. Sad to, sad to say, it was by a guy that was called a Christian. But I didn't sue him, he sued me. As far as I'm concerned, it was a circus. But it was a bad testimony to the world. It was a bad testimony. Not on my part, on his. You see, it is not wrong to use the law if we need to for the world. But we are not to sue one another. We are to settle our disputes in the church. You know, we were having an issue one time in the church in Maine. One of the issues. We had plenty there. Anyway, one of the older gentlemen said, we were having a men's meeting. And he said, he said it very sternly. Don't hang your dirty laundry out for everyone to see. In other words, don't take this out to the world. We're to take care of it here and keep it here. If we take, and you know what I find is, if we take care of it here, the world will respect us for doing what they already know we should be able to take care of. That's what I found. When we take our disputes to the world, it brings reproach to the church and it discredits the gospel. That is the power of God and the salvation, the power to transform and change lives. And so, might God give us wisdom? You know, we live in a world that is so happy. But we ought to be, we're to be peacemakers. We're to live peaceably for all men as much as lieth in us. So may God give us wisdom and not discredit the Lord Jesus Christ in his gospel.